Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope you all are having a fantastic Monday up until this point because your day is always better until the Logan Blackman Show comes and destroys your will to live by posting on every single form of social media. He's like, man, I had a good two days where I didn't need to see anything from the Logan Blackman Show. And then now it's back on my timeline. It's back on all my forms of social media. I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah, that's not always fun. I get that. It's whatever. But we got some stuff to talk about today. Obviously, we had the official NCAA tournament bracket. And there are two teams from the glorious state of Iowa represented in the tournament. Now, Drake, who I did not really know if they were going to make the tournament or not, did as an 11 seed in a playoff play-in game against Wichita State. They are the last team in this in the NCAA tournament. There are 68 teams in the NCAA tournament. The Drake Bulldogs are number 68. 68. Not 68. The Drake Bulldogs. But hey, you're in the tournament, so that's all that really matters. So congratulations to the Drake Bulldogs on making it there, especially with what they were dealing with as the Missouri Valley Conference was ending with all the injuries they had, players missing games, then the UNI game with UNI getting a COVID test, getting popped for a positive COVID test, so not even playing that game, and then losing to Loyola, who got an eight seed in the tournament and has a chance to play Illinois in the next round of the NCAA tournament, which should be a, a lot of fun. But it's fun. The NCAA tournament's just fun. I have been very vocal on this show this year that I have not watched a ton of college basketball this year. I've been very vocal on that. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know everything that's going to happen in the NCAA tournament this year. That's not what I'm going to do, because I really don't. But I'll fill out a bracket, as 90% of the people that listen to the show probably will fill out an NCAA tournament bracket, because it's just what we do. Whether you know it or not, you have the same chances of getting a good bracket. My mom, a few years ago, just chose teams based off mascots and won our bracket pool. Like, it happens. It's so random. People that know the least amount of NCAA tournament stuff ever, that have no knowledge of the history of it or anything, can do as good, if not better, than quote-unquote NCAA tournament experts. Which is the fun part of the NCAA tournament, because anything can happen. Absolutely anything. We saw UMBC beat Virginia. The first team, 16 seed to beat a one seed a few years ago. And then the next year, Virginia won the NCAA tournament. Like, you gotta love the NCAA tournament. We've seen Georgetown lose multiple first round games before. We've seen 15 seeds go all the way to the lead eight, some to the sweet 16 or to the final four, maybe. I, I, can't, I can't remember. But we had Florida Gulf Coast make it all the way to, I think, the Elite Eight. Loyola making the final four. VCU making the final four. Butler almost beating Duke. In a national championship game, which I saw this on Twitter, and it was Kentucky and Duke. Neither one of them are in the tournament, for those of you who are wondering. And <laughs> this is the first time they both missed a tournament since 1976. That's a long time for neither one of these teams to be in the tournament. Now, there's been years more recently that Kentucky has missed the tournament, obviously with the New Orleans Noel Archie Goodwin team that went to the NIT. They didn't even do well in the NIT, if I remember correctly. But that's the most recently recent Kentucky team I can think of missing the NCAA tournament. I can't really think of any Duke teams. I can think of Duke teams that I've lost in the first round and basically were teams that did go to the NCAA tournament. Like where they lost to Lehigh with C.J. McCollum in the first round. They lost to VCU and Eric Maynard. Like, there's times where Duke, it was like Duke's either winning the whole thing or they are losing very, very early. A lot sooner than what people are expecting them to. When you have two of the top three draft picks in an upcoming draft, you think you're going to win it all. You just have that feeling. But then you don't. Because that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament. Kentucky was undefeated going to a final. And then lost to Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament final. Like, yeah, God, God, I got a lot. George Mason. Going all the way to the Elite Eight and losing to Florida, who eventually won the Natty. Again, I could just go on and on in the, the craziness of the NCAA tournament. But for those of you who did not watch the selection Sunday, but still kind of want to fill out a bracket, but don't know what's going on. So, where the number one seeds are, they were pretty predictable. I think everybody knew what the number one seeds in the tournament were going to be before the tournament started. And that is 
Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. Not very surprising there. So in that order, that's their rankings pretty much. So Gonzaga's one, Baylor's two, Illinois' three, Michigan's four. And then at number five, or if you want to call it this, the number two, or the number one, number two seed is the University of Iowa Hawkeyes, who lost to Illinois in the Big Ten tournament, played played decent, but Illinois just played a lot better, and obviously winning the Big Ten tournament today against Ohio State in overtime. And Iowa got a decently tough matchup against Grand Canyon, who are historically a very, very tough out, especially at home. But this is all in Indianapolis, or all in Indiana, so there's no, the, the regions don't really matter anymore. It was just like, just throw all the regions out there, but we're all in Indiana for the NCAA tournament. Iowa's got the best player in college basketball, Luca Garza, so I don't really think, knock on wood, that Iowa will lose to Grand Canyon. But I don't think a lot of people also thought they were going to lose to Northwestern State when they were the three seed, fresh off winning the Big Ten tournament with Haluska, Jeff Horner, that team. I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to lose there, Steve Olford, but they did. Because again, <laughs> we're just going to keep talking about it. it's the beauty and the beast of the NCAA tournament. And I think Iowa can make a decent run. I'm not going to sit here and say Iowa's going to win it all. I'd be over the moon if Iowa won the NCAA tournament. But again, I'm a very pessimistic person and a very pessimistic fan. So I'm not really going to put a lot of expectations into this. But hey, if they do, that'd be freaking awesome. I would absolutely enjoy that every single second of that. You and I... Not have a great year this year, and obviously missed out on the NCAA tournament. But I think they could be, they will be back towards the NCAA tournament next year with AJ Green coming back, more experience in the team with Bowen Bourne getting another year, a couple other young players going in there with another year of experience with AJ Green coming back. You and I should be able to make the NCAA tournament next year. And with Cameron Crutwig for Loyola. Hopefully he's finally done in college. It feels like he's been playing for Loyola since the early 2000s. I don't know, how, how is he still allowed to play at Loyola? This is the Perry Ellis edition when he was at Kansas. Remember everybody talking about Perry Ellis all the time? That's the Missouri Valley's version of Perry Ellis is Cameron Crutwig, the center for Loyola. And I'm just tired of seeing it. He's in there every freaking time. I just don't know when he's going to leave. Feels like he's been there forever and Loyola they're taking on Georgia Tech in the first round some other some big matchups obviously the number one seeds you, you expect them to win it's, it's happened before once before but it still happened with Virginia losing to UMBC uh, the two seeds Iowa obviously playing Grand Canyon Ohio State playing Oral Roberts Houston playing Cleveland State and Alabama playing Rick Pitino and Iona if I remember this correctly I think Pitino is the first coach in college basketball history to get five different teams to an NCAA tournament. I could be wrong about that, but him and the Gales are into the NCAA tournament. Other important teams that teams teams around the state of Iowa, people around the state of Iowa possibly care about. Creighton, they're playing UC Santa Barbara. Virginia, we just talked about playing Ohio. Drake and Wichita State. Kansas is playing Eastern Washington. North Carolina and Washington, a first-round matchup, an 8-9 matchup. Purdue's playing North Texas as a 3-4-13 uh, seed. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma State with Kate Cunningham, who's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. The upcoming NBA draft are playing Liberty. West Virginia's playing Moorhead State as a 3-14 seed. 3-14 game. Georgetown, who had a losing record going into the <laughs> Big East tournament, won the tournament, and then got an automatic bid and they're playing Colorado, who's a five seed, Georgetown being a 12 seed. And that's about it. There's, If you want to go fill out a bracket, go ahead and do it, because it's fun. Even if you don't know what you're doing, again, anything can happen. Anything. There, like, There's never been a person that's got a 100% right bracket. And it never will happen, because, again, the insanity that takes place in March Madness. That's why they call it March Madness, because it's absolute freaking madness going around so if we're gonna there's gonna be upsets you always know there's gonna be upsets if I was a newbie if I'm gonna talk to the newbies out there it's always safe to bet at least one 12 seed beats a 5 seed because that's one of the biggest upsets in the brackets 12 versus 5 seeds 10 versus 7 seeds also produce a decent amount of upsets and then they 8-9 games 
that's a crapshoot. You can just do that one. <laughs> that, that one is just a shot in the dark. And I saw this today on the ESPN bracket challenge thing. And ver once you get the 12 seed to play the four seed, if that's what you're doing, since 2014, number four seeds are 8-0 against number 12 seeds. And I've won 14 of the last 16 meetings since 2006. So if you pick a 12 seed to win, history tells you to just go against, just just go against the 12 seed in the next round. Unless a 13 seed wins, there's always a chance that it could happen. If you look at the three versus 13 seeds, at least one 13 seed has beaten a four seed in the 25 to 35 years of the NCAA. In 25 to 35 years, in the past two tourneys, five of eight matchups were decided by single digit points. It's crazy. Crazy stuff going on here. Absolute insanity going around in the NCAA tournament. But again, that's why we love it. That's absolutely why we love it. So I'll have one 13 seed beating a four, uh, beating a four seed because that's what you got to have. You have some excitement in your NCAA tournament bracket. My first bracket I ever did when I was a kid was the year Memphis, Kansas. Who else? Can, can, Memphis, Kansas. Uh, whatever. It was the first year all number one seeds made the Final Four. First year that's ever happened was when Derrick Rose missed the free throws for Memphis and Mario Chalmers made the shot for Kansas and Kansas and eventually beat the Memphis Tigers in the tournament final. I think that was in San Antonio, if I remember correctly. I think it was San Antonio. Sound That feels right. That feels right, doesn't it? Go look it up for me. I don't know. But you gotta have some fun with the NCAA tournament. That's what it's all about just having fun. And even if you think, oh, that will never happen, there's a chance that will happen. There is a chance. Georgetown, as a high seed, always likes to disappoint. I don't know what they'll do as a low seed. Duke and Kentucky aren't in it. Which, again, madness. That's just the madness of 2020-2021. Not necessarily the madness of the NCAA tournament. But, man, it's going to be fun. I am very excited to see what happens this year. Because, obviously... We didn't have an NCAA tournament last year. We didn't even have a bracket. We didn't have anything for the NCAA tournament. So you and I, after losing to Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, we don't know if they would have won or if they would have gone to the tournament. Most people said they wouldn't have, but there was a chance they did because they lost in their first matchup. That was the big issue there with you and I. Drake, why they went in instead of, say, like you and I last year, who I think was a better team last year than Drake is this year, you and I lost in their first round matchup. Drake lost in the the championship of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. So that's a little different, but we don't know. No one can say you and I wouldn't have made it because you never know. You don't know if they would have made it. They never released an actual bracket. So, yeah, just go fill out a bracket. Even if you're not in a group, go fill out a bracket. It's always fun. And also what's fun is free agency in the NFL because we are kicking off free agency in the NFL, we have some pretty big deals going on right now. Aaron Jones re-signed with the Packers, which is pretty surprising by a lot of standards. Four-year, $48 million contract. Not necessarily that he didn't sign the contract. It's more of the fact I thought he would test free agency, which he obviously didn't because free agency hasn't even started yet. So I was, I was surprised when he came back to Green Bay. I thought he'd get a nice payday somewhere else. I think this is a good deal for the Packers and Aaron Jones. He's obviously a very important part to the Packers offense, one of the best running backs in the NFL. So he's worth it. He's worth it. John Feliciano re-signed to the Buffalo Bills, as well as Daryl Williams, who we have been talking about this for a while now, about how I thought the Bills would get two of their free agents back. And I thought that'd be Matt Milano and John Feliciano. I didn't think Daryl Williams would be back. The Bills and Brandon Bean managed to get both Feliciano and Williams back while also bringing Matt Milano back. So I, hey, you know what? <laughs> That's perfect. I am all for that three-year extension for both Feliciano and Darrell Williams, locking up two more positions on the offensive line. So if we look at it now, the Bills' offensive line, their starting offensive line, looks set in stone right now. From left to right, you got Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano will go back to left guard, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford will be back from injury, and Darrell Williams. So this narrows down what the Buffalo Bills could and probably will target in the NFL draft. And I think it's now going after two positions, and that's cornerback and running back. 
and I am back on. I'm just going to release this now or give a little teaser. I'm back on the Travis Etienne bandwagon for the Buffalo Bills. I think he'd be an awesome addition to this offense. I think he'd provide what the Bills would do, did with Thurman Thomas in the 90s. I think it'd be absolutely perfect for the Buffalo Bills in this offense. So getting the offensive lineman down, getting Matt Milano re-signed, narrows down what the Bills are going to do in this draft. And hey, I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. People are comparing Travis Etienne to that of Alvin Kamara. If he's anything close to Alvin Kamara, that would be an absolute... It would just be a beautiful deal. Let's just go like that. It would just be an absolutely beautiful draft pick. And I've been on Travis Etienne for the past few seasons now. You can go back and listen on the SoundCloud of the Logan Blackman Show to go hear me talk about Travis Etienne. Now, I don't know what the episodes are, so you're just going to have to listen to all the old episodes to find out what I've said about Travis Etienne. Long story short, I love myself some Travis Etienne. He's been one of my favorite running backs in college football forever, and I am excited and hope the Buffalo Bills end up drafting the Clemson running back. And hopefully he turns out better than another Clemson running back the Bills drafted a few years ago in C.J. Spiller. Now, Spiller obviously had a really good season with the Bills, but the rest of it, average to below average, to say the least, for C.J. Spiller. He had that one really good year, but yeah, if the Bills at 30 can get Travis Etienne, I think that'd be beautiful. I'd just be fine with either one of the running backs, but I I would like Travis Etienne, even though, even though I said that they'd take Najee Harris with the first pick, but that was me taught, listening to McShay and all those guys. I think the best fit for the Bills is Travis Etienne, and we got to work on Montraft 4.0, which again, there will be trades. I do not have a set, <laughs> set thing yet for Montraft 4.0, so hopefully I get something done by next month, not hopefully, I will get something done next Monday, whether it's actually good or not. Because the more you get close to the draft, the more stressful it is because you're like, oh, I should be getting this right. You start overthinking things. Which, me, coming by it naturally, I overthink things all the freaking time. So, I'm struggling right now. Usually, like the last mock draft I did, I'm pretty confident I had it done a week and a half or not a week and a half, like four or five days before I made the show about Mock Draft 3.0 at the time. But this one, I, I'm struggling. I'm absolutely struggling because I'm trying to get trades put in it, and it's just making it a little more stressful. Now I remember why I didn't do trades, but there's a couple things that I think are going to happen that will make this a little bit more interesting and just to have some more fun with Mock Draft 4.0. Okay? Because it's fun. Because there's a couple trades that I think are nailed on the hat, and much like we talked about last week, pretty much every day last week, is the Deshaun Watson trade to the New York Jets. I think that thing is, it's going to happen. I'm fair, I'm, I'm confident that's going to happen. Like, everything points to Deshaun Watson going to the New York Jets. We've talked about that before, but the Texans, even though they're trying to keep Deshaun Watson there and keep him happy. Like they just traded for Marcus Cannon for the New England Patriots. They just signed Mark Ingram a couple days ago. And they just got Shaq Lawson, who was his college teammate at Clemson. Traded away a very good linebacker for him, but they got Shaq Lawson in. Or a good linebacker. I shouldn't say very good. A good linebacker for him. So they're trying to appease Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson's done. I think he's like, well, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I want to leave. And watching David Coy's interview, there, I am even more confident than I was last week about him leaving because <laughs> David Coley just doesn't have any confidence, doesn't sound like he's very confident in the deal going down. And I feel kind of bad for David Coley because he was kind of hired based off the fact that no one else wanted this job. Brian Dable didn't want it. Eric Bieniemy didn't want it. Josh McDaniels didn't want it. So all the, the Byron Leftwich didn't want it. Joe Brady didn't want it. All these big off-season coach, all these coaches that were linked with head coaching jobs didn't want it. So a coach that interviewed for no other head coaching jobs got a head coaching job. So I feel kind of bad for him. And he's in a situation where it doesn't look great. Your quarterback situation's a mess. One thing that you want to have sorted out as a franchise is who your starting quarterback's going to be. And when you have a quarterback that's coming off a career year 
you, and he's not happy, this puts you in a very bad situation. Now, you could come out of it very, very nicely. You could get the second overall pick from the Jets, which is what I think is going to happen, and you draft Zach Wilson. Because Justin Fields doesn't make any sense because he has the same agent as Sean, and I don't think an agent, a player that shares an agent with a guy who's just leaving and has been demanding to get out of there would be allowed to go to the Houston Texans. I just don't see that happening. If they want to just go insane or crazy or throw a little, I don't know, just go a little crazy, go a little loopy a little bit, go after Trey Lance. But then you're going to have to go after someone like RG3, which I think would make a lot of sense for the Houston Texans. Get a guy like RG3, who has been down in Houston for the offseason. David Coley obviously linked with him in Baltimore. Be a nice signing to get as a veteran quarterback to come and ease whoever the rookie is coming in to replace Deshaun Watson. Because RG3 wouldn't want to sign if Deshaun Watson's there. That doesn't make any sense. Deshaun Watson is gone, goes to the Jets. RG3 comes in. They draft Zach Wilson. If they draft Trey Lance, that's going based solely off the fact RG3 is going to play the entire season. Trey Lance is going to sit and learn. And Trey Lance's pro day, as we talk about, speaking of Trey Lance, his pro day was on Friday. And it was a good pro day. I thought it was a good pro day. I think it helped his draft stock from the eyes of scouts and coaches everywhere. Right away, I saw Joe Brady, the ops coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, and I saw a guy with an Eagles shirt on. There's obviously a lot more coach than that, but I pointed those out right away. Those that caught my eye right away, seeing Joe Brady standing there. And you couldn't miss him. He had a big bright blue jacket on, if I remember. Now, I've, now that I said that, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of that, was it? But he was there. And Joe Brady is going to be very big on whoever the Panthers get for their starting quarterback. And if it's not Deshaun Watson, which I it makes sense. If I'm Deshaun, I would love to go to Carolina. You go back to where you played college football or around the place. In the Carolinas. I know it's not South Carolina where Clemson is, but it's in, it's in the Carolinas. They're probably the most... They got the most weapons comparatively to the other teams you've been linked with other than San Francisco and like San Francisco, but that's, that's, I don't, that's not happening. But the thing is with this, why it would go to the Jets and John McClain has been very vocal about this point. The Texans will not trade Deshaun unless they can get a franchise quarterback out of it, or at least a young quarterback out of it. The Panthers have the eighth pick that hurts. The Broncos have the ninth pick that hurts. 49ers have the 12th, Washington football team have the 19th, Bears have the 20th. All these other teams Deshaun's linked with, they're not happening because they can't guarantee the Texans a young quarterback in return. Sure, the 49ers can give them Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure, the Panthers can give them Teddy Bridgewater. But they don't want that. You trade Deshaun Watson, you get a younger quarterback. You get a guy that has potential. You don't go and get just another veteran. That's not what you want to do here. The Texans are either trading him to the Jets or the Dolphins, and I think it's almost nailed on to be the Texans because the Dolphins don't go from, at least this is just my thinking, it could be totally wrong in the end, I don't think the Dolphins will go from tank for two a one year and then trade him the next year. Because then heads will probably start to roll off that, especially one of Chris Greer, who was one of the big reasons they got to, and the ownership really likes Tua as well. So I don't know if this deal with Deshaun would go down. I think if Deshaun's traded, and we've repeated this about a thousand times, he goes to the Jets. The Jets have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of draft picks. So they could make some moves to make this a good year this year. I'm not saying a, probably not even a playoff contention year, but a good year nonetheless, and help Deshaun out. They got a good offensive coordinator, a good young offensive coordinator, and Matt LaFleur, or Mike LaFleur, and then a really good head coach and Robert Sala. At least we can anticipate him to be a very good head coach, very good defensive coordinator. So bring in Deshaun, get a few weapons in that offseason, whether it's free agents, trades, draft picks, whatever. Do it. I think that works for everybody. Texans get RG3, has a relationship with David Coley. Bring him in. He's been doing stuff in Houston this offseason. Get Zach Wilson in. And then we've got a more stable position than what we had back in March. Then we did back in, then we will in late April. Now, other quarterback situation, Russell Wilson. That thing is starting to, I don't know. 
it heated up a little bit because the Bears are reportedly desperate to get a get a quarterback out of this offseason. But knowing what I know about the Bears, and we joked about this on Friday, is that they like to tease their fans a little bit. Like, get the fans' hopes up quite a bit, and then not actually pull out and do anything. So, though Russell Wilson's going to continuously getting linked with the Bears, I still just don't feel he'll be moving to Chicago, at least this offseason. I'm not ruling it out altogether, because it could happen eventually. But, this offseason, I think he's in Chicago or in uh, Seattle. I think the Bears move for someone else. They're looking at, I heard they, they're letting Trubisky test free agency, which is, I mean... They're not going to bring him back. So he's going out to test free agency. Which, <laughs> I, hope, I hope he doesn't have his hopes of getting a starting job anymore. Because that's, sorry Mitch, it's probably not going to happen. But Russ, I just think he stays in Seattle. Just doesn't seem a very bearish thing to do to get the be- one of the best quarterbacks available now, does it? Throughout there, ever, ever since Ryan Pace has been in charge of things, they've never really gone out there with the highest ambition at getting the best quarterbacks available. You can go back to his first thing, Mike Glennon and Trubisky, and then Nick Foles. Andy Dalton was available. Cam Newton was available. And I'm not saying they would have been way better quarterbacks than Nick Foles, and they were way better quarterbacks than Nick Foles this year, but you could have gotten a little better quarterback. <laughs> I would rather have Andy Dalton than Nick Foles as a starter, especially because you have Andy Dalton's old office coordinator, Bill Lazor, as your office coordinator, at least head quarterback coach, his old quarterback coach from Cincinnati. And you didn't need to trade for him. You traded for Nick Foles. You traded up to get Trubisky. You pay overpaid Mike Glennon. Ryan Pace has done the three things to get quarterbacks. Trade for one, sign one in free agency, and draft one. And none of them have worked. None of them have worked. So I don't think that the Bears this offseason are going to get a guy the caliber of Russell Wilson. Because then, it's the same thing with the Houston Texans. What can the Bears guarantee Russell, the Seattle Seahawks? All the teams the Seahawks are linked with, unlike the Texans, the Seahawks have teams that are far out of their range of picks or where they can get a quarterback, a top quarterback. You don't trade a guy like Russell Wilson and not have a quarterback plan in place, which I don't think they really do because... The Bears and the Saints are the two teams that he's linked with the heaviest. They can't guarantee the Seattle Seahawks a quarterback. The Bears are going to have to tra- Bears or the Saints are going to have to trade up a few times. Same with the Panthers and the Broncos and all these other teams for Deshaun Watson. If they want him, they're going to have to trade up to get him. They're trading up to draft Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Essentially, you're not going to be able to draft him with the eighth, ninth, twentieth pick. You're not going to be able to do that. If you want these top quarterbacks, you're going to have to trade up and guarantee that they can get a good guy to replace him. Now, if you can say, oh, they could get Russell, they could get Sam Darnold out of this, they could get Jameis Winston, but you can't even guarantee him that. So this is where it gets interesting. I would love, again, I would love Russell Wilson to be in the Chicago Bears uniform. I think that'd be awesome for the Midwest. Bears fans would actually have something fun to cheer about. He'd instantly be what he's like Tom Brady going to Tampa he'd arguably be their greatest quarterback of all time before even putting on a freaking uniform again I made sure to say arguably I think it's more arguable for that one than Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in Tampa history because before he signed we even said that he's the greatest quarterback the Buccaneers have ever had that one wasn't really that arguable their best quarterback before that was Jameis Winston and Brad Johnson Tom Brady is better than those two, even at 43 years old. Even before he played a snap for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Could have been Steve Young. Could have been. Probably should have been. Could have been Doug Williams as well. (laughs) But again, probably should have been. Just didn't happen like that. Both those quarterbacks won the Super Bowl. Steve Young's in the Hall of Fame. That's the weird thing of the Bucs, as they've somehow managed to get two Super Bowls in that franchise. So unless the overall arching, overarching theme here is if you're a team that needs a quarterback and you want to trade for one, like Deshaun or Russell Wilson, you cannot be sitting outside the top 10 and expect to trade for him. You realist, realistically can't be sitting out of the top five 
and try to trade for these guys. Because they're going to want something in return. This isn't a, okay, we'll give you Russell Wilson for a futures and all that stuff, but not really have a plan for this year's situation. That's not really how this works. You're going to have to give up a lot. You're going to have to guarantee these teams get a quarterback. Guarantee. It can't be a, oh, you might, Mac Jones might slide here. Oh, Trey Lance might be available here. But no, no, that's not how this works. Guaranteed. Because the Seahawks aren't shopping Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll is in constant communication from what it seems like with Russell Wilson. And reports are to be believed, I guess. Apparently, Russell Russell Wilson's relationship with the Seahawks is salvageable. Deshaun's is not. Deshaun is gone. Deshaun is gone. I will be absolutely floored if Deshaun Watson ever wears a Houston Texans uniform again. Russell Wilson's situation is salvageable. Kevin Zeitler is available in free agency. The Giants just cut him. He's a teammate of Russell Wilson's in Wisconsin. Bring him in as a guard. That would make Russell Wilson a very happy person. Very happy camper. To get a guy that he's not only played with, but also protect him. Make him very happy. I think the Bears' goals this offseason are a little too lofty even for their own standards. Ryan Pace's deluded mind, I guess. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't really know how Ryan Pace still has the job. Because your job as a GM, yes, it's build a good, competent team, but your G- job as a GM is to get a franchise quarterback. That's your number one job. You've had three opportunities to do that, and you haven't done it. You failed on all three. I know we didn't expect Nick Foles to be a franchise quarterback when he got traded from, from Jacksonville to Chicago, but then why'd you trade for him? Get a guy that would either push Trubisky better or actually improve the team if you would replace him. Nick Foles got benched for Gardner Minshew after he got hurt and then came in Chicago and the Bears' offense looked dead. So now we're going to try the trade thing again with Russell Wilson. Our standards went from Trubisky, Mike Glennon, Nick Foles to Russell Wilson like that. I get Russell Wilson would like the Chicago... Uh, media presence. But unless Seattle really wants to sell Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson doesn't really be seeming to be kicking up a big fuss about this, I think he stays in Seattle. And I think the Bears get someone much more reasonable, like Marcus Mariota. That's more of a range for the Chicago Bears and Ryan Pace, at least at Ryan at, for Ryan Pace's tenure, that's where I would think the Bears go, rather than a, what, top six quarterback in the NFL who has won a Super Bowl, has never had a losing season in his career. And we're going to go from Glennon, Trubisky, and Foles to that. I would be shocked. I'm not ruling it out 100%, but I would be shocked. Let's just put it like that. I would be shocked Russell Wilson's traded to Chicago, and I would be shocked if Deshaun Watson is not traded from Houston. I'd be slightly shocked if Deshaun Watson wasn't traded to the Jets. I just think I, I, I just think he's gone. But I think the Jets are the team he'll get traded to eventually. Okay? No matter what the Texans do, no matter what they say, do not buy it. Because remember last year, when it involves a franchise quarterback, there's more lying about quarterbacks than any position on the football field. No one really cares... About if you hurt the field, I'd like no one goes, he's our number one wide receiver. No, we don't care. If you say this dude's our quarterback, then people start to go, is it? Is it? Is he our starting quarterback? People question everything that's said about a starting quarterback. And when you come out and start going, uh yeah, he's um he's our starting quarterback, and then shaking your head as you're saying, Yeah, he's our starting quarterback, then yes, we're gonna speculate. And speculation is fair when it regards a starting quarterback, again, coming off of a career year. And I know we talked about this a tiny bit with Trey Lance's Pro Day. Uh, so I watched the entirety of the Pro Day. I want to watch it again. I recorded it. So I wanna, I'm want i going to watch it again just to make sure I didn't miss anything super important. But it was on Friday, and he looked good. He did 66 throws on the day, hit a couple beautiful balls down the sideline. But early on in the short routes, 
He was a little behind. His timing was a little bit off. But apparently he's never thrown to these receivers before. So I don't know if that was a big problem. But he looked he looked good. For all of his, for all the, what the scouts are looking for, he did that. He did everything I think the scouts were looking for. And that I don't think, though I don't think he is a similar player to Josh Allen. Obviously Trey Lance is more mobile. He's more accurate than Josh was coming out. But the potential is similar. That's where I think the comparisons to Josh Allen lie. Not necessarily how they play. It's the situation they're in. Coming from a pro-style offense, Josh Allen with Greg Bull, who was the former coach of North Coast State, who is basically, North Coast State has not really strayed off of the Bull offense since he went to Wyoming. They've kept pretty much the exact same system. Josh Allen, a very mobile quarterback coming out of Wyoming, not playing against the quote-unquote toughest competition. But Trey Lance is not either. Coming from a lower level school than Wyoming, not playing against the toughest competition, but balled out. And he balled out and put up better numbers than Josh Allen did at Wyoming. And I hope for whoever drafts Trey Lance does not pull a Bills and not give him a learn a place to learn a little bit. Now, throwing him in the fire eventually worked. It took him two years to, or a year and a half, I guess I would say, to really get a hold of everything. Like, if you look at the other quarterbacks of the 2018 draft class, we've talked about this about a thousand times. You look at the number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield. He had Tyrod Taylor and Drew Stanton. You look at number three overall, three overall pick, Sam Darnold. He had Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. You look at the number 10 overall pick, Josh Rosen. He had Sam Bradford. You look at the 32nd overall pick, Lamar Jackson. He had Joe Flacco. Josh Allen had Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. And that was a bad decision, bad move by the Bills part, not getting a better bridge quarterback for them, for him. But then eventually, midway through the season, got Derek Anderson, brought in Matt Barkley, and then, then you started to see the maturity coming into Josh Allen. Like Derek Anderson's presence in Buffalo did more for Josh Allen than a lot of things. Because he was that veteran presence. He's been around Cam Newton, similar style player to Josh Allen. And it helped. Matt Barkley has helped Josh Allen a ton since coming in the league. If Trey Lance, who has played, what was it, 17 games? I think that's right. And he's put in a situation where we don't have a quarterback and we want you to learn, but we don't have a quarterback to properly teach you. It would pro- it would hurt him. It would hurt him. And he'd be, it'd take a little bit to go on. But if you had a quarterback, like the teams who I think could draft him, a Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, a, a Matt Ryan in Atlanta, those types of guys, a Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, a Cam Newton who's a similar style quarterback to Trey Lance. I think that would be very beneficial for him. But if you go in and put him on a team that he'd have to go in like a Nathan Peterman or an A.J. McCarron, that would mess up. That would, that would suck. That would be a very bad situation. I think the situations of Lance and Allen are very similar. They're different players to a certain extent. I think Josh Allen has a stronger arm. He's obviously a lot bigger, or not a lot, but he's bigger than Trey Lance. Trey Lance is more mobile. At this point, he's more accurate than Josh Allen. But the situation, it'll be fun. It'll be very fun to see where Trey Lance goes and who and what player he becomes in the future. Because as I've said a thousand times, I think he has arguably this highest ceiling in the entire draft. Now that ceiling needs to be taught. It needs to be altered. I mean, not altered, but helped out a little bit. Because he's he's very raw. He's a very raw prospect. But if he goes to Arthur Smith or Joe Brady, I think that'd be awesome. And I don't want to disrespect Matt Rule, but I think Joe Brady is the main... He's obviously the offensive coordinator. And he's got a lot of say on who this quarterback thing is going to go. And he was at Trey Lance's Pro Day, so I think Carolina and him would be a very good matchup. Learning from Teddy would be very good as well. As long as they don't trade Teddy, which is something that's seeming like it happened because Teddy Bridgewater obviously oh, he unfollowed the Panthers on all forms of social media. Can't have that. Can't be doing it. So obviously that linked up to a lot, a lot of interesting takes on social media because of when a player or something falls, unfollows something on social media, it's like, oh man, 
they're done. It's done. He's, he's it's no more anymore. Like in a relationship or a team, it's like, nope, he's done. He's no longer coming back to that team or they're not dating anymore or whatever. Like I remember when Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick broke up, it was Danica, Danica Patrick unfollowed him on social media and I was like, oh, it's over. And now it obviously is because Aaron Rodgers is engaged. But I think learning from those guys would be awesome. And Daniel Jeremiah, who I've told you guys before, that if you want to follow the draft, I would listen to what Daniel Jeremiah has to say. I think he's the most plugged-in draft guy out there. Obviously, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, among others, Bucky Brooks, obviously have their sources. But I would go, I would listen to Daniel Jeremiah in regards to all of that because, again, he was the first person that I saw say the Browns are going to draft Baker Mayfield. So that led me to saying the Browns are going to draft Baker Mayfield. And he compared Trey Lance to Josh Allen. Daniel Jeremiah said, nitpick him all you want, but this guy can make some special, special throws. It was, it was a night. Nice, it was nice. It was nice. He'd had, he'd like to have a couple throws back, but with all that, but this was all about horsepower. When you watch his, watch this workout today, you saw the power in the football. You saw it from under center. You saw it in play action. You saw it on the move. But to me, it all comes down to once he puts the back foot on the ground and the ball jump and that ball jumps. He's able. He was able to stretch the field with that arm power. Some touch throws down the down the field got away from him, particularly down the right side, which he overthrew a few times. He is dripping with ability. Yes, he is. Just like a raw prospect named Josh Allen coming from Wyoming, who is the guy that just finished second in the MVP voting this year and was a second-team All-Pro selection and is arguably the best quarterback in the 2018 draft class. It's obviously him and Lamar Jackson. It's not really close between those two and the rest of the list. I'm excited to see what Trey Lance is. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really like Trey Lance is the fact that he reminds me of Josh Allen coming out of college. And the fact that he's a Missouri Valley Conference dude and played, played against UNI. We've watched him at being going to school at UNI, watching UNI football, watching North Dakota State football. Not a lot of people know about Trey Lance or even care about Trey Lance because it's not FBS football. And there's a lot of people out there like that. That If it's not FBS football, who really cares? Which is why you still have that stupid debate of, man, I'd rather be a bench player on an FBS team than a star on an FCS team. While showing a player from Alabama who's the third string quarterback. I think, who we don't really know. I know he's not backup. He's not going to be the starter because backup last year is Bryce Young. The starter this year is Bryce Young. So it's it's funny. It's very, very funny. But Trey Lance looked good. Boosted his draft stock, I guess. If you want to call it that. I don't really... The quarterback ratings for a lot of different people are going to be very, very different. Remember, it's all about the preferences you have. As we get closer to the draft, your list will vary. It's not like we're sticking with this one list, and if I'm not changing it once throughout the entirety of this draft process. That's not what we do here. You got to change it up a little bit because things change along the way. Things change your opinion a little bit. So like with Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, who I have is not in any particular order, but the two through four quarterbacks in this draft class. They're all different styles of players, but can do similar things in regards to their athletic ability. I would say the best thrower is Zach Wilson. I'd say the toughest is Justin Fields, and I think the best athlete is Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is the best upside out of them. Again, he's the rawest. He has the highest ceiling. If he gets put in the right system and a right coach, he could th- he could flourish. I, I like all these quarterbacks in this draft class. I don't know why we have to rank them, but we do. Because that's what gets attention. That's what gets clicks and stuff like that, which makes it, makes it fun. Makes it a very fun process to do. But yeah. And, oh man, I kind of forgot about this. We're on the topic of quarterbacks. Taysom Hill. This is a big talking point on Twitter today. Taysom Hill agrees to a four-year, $140 million extension, which freed up $7.5 million in cap space. For the Saints. And Drew Brees, the greatest quarterback in Saints history, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, announced his retirement today, which I'm happy about because I was I knew he would retire, but part of me was like, is he actually is he gonna pull this thing out like Brett Favre and just never retire and just make people dislike him a lot? Like, dude, just just retire. But he was too injured. He was 
too beat up to come back. And I'm happy Breeze retired. He retired with the most passing yards in NFL history, the most completions in NFL history, second most passing touchdowns, second most attempts, and the second best completion percentage in NFL history. First ballot Hall of Famer, no, no doubt about it. I think everybody knows that at this point. Arguably a top five quarterback. You can argue he's easily, I think he should be in a top 10 quarterback, but that's up for debate because again, it's all about what people like. It's all about what people care about the most. But Taysom Hill, I think most people can agree on this. Now, I did read all of this is voided, avoid, voidable. So the Saints don't need to pay $140 million over the next four years to Taysom Hill. It's not all guaranteed. But man, just the numbers alone, looking at it, it's like, that's what Taysom Hill got? Four years, 140? I get he's a Swiss Army knife, but you don't pay a Swiss Army knife that much money. You pay that to a franchise quarterback. You pay that to a starting quarterback. So I don't hope, I hope, I don't hope, I hope the Saints don't go with Taysom Hill as their starting quarterback. I hope they bring Jason Jameis Winston back. Because I think that's who Sean Payton, I think Sean Payton would like to bring him back. I think Jameis Winston would fit really well in what Sean Payton's offense is. So I, I would like Taysom, I like Taysom Hill. I would just like to say that. I like Taysom Hill. Not as a quarterback. I think he can do a lot of really good things for a football team. He can do all right at quarterback. And you don't want all right as your starting quarterback. Some teams are fine with it. Heck, the Ravens won a Super Bowl with all right quarterbacks. The Giants went to a Super Bowl with an all right quarterback with Kerry Collins. You can even say the same thing about Eli Manning. A lot of teams have done good with all right quarterbacks. But, come on, not... Quarterbacks, not Swiss Army Knives that can play quarterback. I love Taysom Hill at BYU, and he's done a lot of good things since coming over to the Saints from the Packers once they cut him. But $140 million. I know it's all voidable, but it's just the numbers, just looking at it. It's just so weird to see that with Saints give Taysom Hill $140 million contract. What? That's a lot. Again, I just I just gotta keep saying this to myself. It's all avoidable. I don't need to pay. They're saving money on this somehow. I, I just don't know how this works. 140 mil for days of mil. Oh man. 30 years old. He's 30. People forget that. He dude's 30 years old. He has, I guess it probably has changed now, but before last season, he had less passing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson. I don't know what the Saints want to bring back Jameis and try to do a two-quarterback system thing, which has always done very well in the NFL. It's always been one of the key things in the NFL, having two quarterbacks play at all times. It's always worked in college football, too. To have, always have two quarterbacks play. You see all these teams that have one with two quarterbacks playing, and you throw out the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana and Steve Young, I'll slap you because Steve Young didn't play when Joe Montana was winning Super Bowls. He played a little bit, but he wasn't the starter, and they weren't rotating them. Joe Montana was just hurt as hell playing in his last few seasons with San Francisco when Steve Young was there. But goodness gracious. I like Taysom Hill. I don't have 140 million reasons why I like Taysom Hill, but the Saints do, apparently. The Saints do. I don't know what the rest of their cap situation is looking like after this, because again, apparently it saves them money. The Patriots, last time I saw, have the most cap space available. So we'll see what they do. They obviously re-signed Cam, which surprised, but kind of surprised me, kind of didn't. Because I did see that the Patriots were going to look at Cam Newton re-signing him as opposed to bringing a quarterback in from free agency. So I'm not, I'm not shocked the Patriots brought back Cam Newton. Not at all. I think the two places he would have gone were New England and Washington. And I chose the latter in my predictions thing, but I edited it. So that means with him coming back, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the Patriots quarterback. Or the, the 49ers quarterback, I should say. Which we've said a lot, but I feel I went under the Jimmy Garoppolo is going New England Patriots or Jimmy Garoppolo is New England's a n- number one option at quarterback. So I went for that, even though we've said numerous times I think he'll be the starting quarterback next year for the 49ers. I've said that about a hundred times in every mock draft I've had, I've had I've said it in there that I think the pay, the 49ers will bring back Jimmy Garoppolo. 
But I went with the the rumors. I went with the fit. But I should have just used my gut, which said Cam's going to come back to New England. He was That was the only logical sense, other than Washington. So we'll see what Washington does this offseason. They're obviously linked with Marcus Mariota. They tried to trade for him, but those talks cooled down a little bit. So would they trade for Sam Darnold? I think that would make a lot of sense for what they do. I would. I really liked the idea of Cam Newton coming into Washington and then having him and Taylor Heineke there, having them compete for the starting job. Because I think Taylor Heineke can just. Des- I think he kind of deserves it for what he did in the playoff. I'm not saying deserves a starting spot. I'm saying he deserves to be able to compete for the starting spot. I think if you bring in a guy like Mariota or Sam Darnold, you could still do that. But I thought Cam would be more flexible because he's obviously going to be more. Che- he's going to be cheaper than those two because he was a free agent. Darnold and uh, Mariota were going to be trade people, trade pieces, but the Raiders might cut Mariota. They might, because I don't know how good the trade talks are going down. He's got a lot of money. I think he's the highest paid back in the league. I could be wrong about that. Could be wrong about that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right, that he's the highest paid back of the NFL right now. So that makes him hard to trade and also makes it hard to keep on the roster. So it looks like we're just going to get the axe for Marcus Mariota. That's what my gut's telling me. I don't know if we'll actually end up trading for Marcus Mariota just because the money involved, he's a backup. What do you trade? really trade for backup quarterbacks that are worth a lot of money? Because, I don't know, it's going to be hard. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting offseason. And we're just getting started, the NFL offseason. Silly season is kicking off. We're going to have more trades, more free agency moves in the coming days. So make sure you stay on social media just to make, just to make sure you're up to date on whatever your team does. If you follow the NFL, you got to stay in touch with this kind of stuff because it's going to get crazy. It's going to get very, very crazy as this offseason progresses. As we get closer to the 2021 NFL Draft, which again, we'll have Mock Draft 4.0 for you next weekend or next week. So make sure you tune in for that. With that being said, I think I'm going to close it out here. Uh, Yeah, I think this was an, uh, an all right show, but... Just have a good rest of your day. I don't want to drag it on too much longer. I just want to be done with today's show. So we'll end it here. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Hope you enjoyed the show, and I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.